Amidst all of our planning and our good intentions for the coming year, we can easily overlook our greatest need, God Himself. We need His grace and power if we are to glorify Him and carry out His will for our lives. That's one of the main reasons why prayer and fasting are so critical for us as individuals and as churches. In this message, David Platt looks at the role of prayer and fasting in the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, and he urges us to put these spiritual disciplines into practice. We'll consider nine reasons to pray and fast. This is the Radical with David Platt podcast. Here is David with a message titled, Nine Reasons to Pray and Fast. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8 in the Old Testament. Feel free to use table of contents if you need to. Ezra chapter 8. And I want to welcome those of you while you're turning in Loudoun and Arlington and Montgomery County and Prince William, which I'll pause and praise God for Pastor Todd preaching last week as Every other location pastor was out with circumstances related to COVID, which I know has affected many individuals and families who are online today, as well as weather. Regardless, it is really good to be able to come together in all these different places around God's Word and hear from Him. And especially if you're joining with us, whether in person, here, any of those locations, or online, we are really, really glad you're here. We are starting today 21 days of prayer and fasting together as a church. Actually, it'll technically start tomorrow and go from January 10th through the 30th. And our hope is to encourage each other individually and as a church family to start this year off right with a concentrated, intentional focus on our relationships with God through prayer and fasting. So picture this like a getaway. Heather and I recently celebrated our 22nd anniversary. We spent a few days away together just being with each other, apart from all the busyness and craziness of life. I think about times that I've taken one of my kids on a special getaway on a weekend fishing trip or traveling to a new baseball stadium together and just spending some unique, concentrated time with each other. So these three weeks may not be a physical getaway, though if there's opportunity for that, for a day or weekend alone with God, that would be great. Our elders and staff are planning to do that together in a couple of different ways. But picture these three weeks as a kind of spiritual getaway with God, where you commit to spend extra time, so more than normal, with God in prayer and fasting to reconnect and refresh and refocus here at the start of this year. Some of you have never done something like this. For others, it's been a long time since you did something like this. And I would submit for all of us, it's never a bad time to do this. And we want to do it together. So here's what these 21 days are going to look like, Lord willing. Each Sunday, we'll gather together for worship and encourage each other in prayer and fasting and refocusing. Then on Friday night, January 21st, so go ahead and put this down on your calendar. Friday night, January 21st, we're planning to come together from all of our locations here at Tyson's for all night prayer from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. So for those who are able to pray all night long together. 
or if you can't be there the whole time, to come and go whenever you're able to be here. But we're going to seek God together more than we seek sleep. And I mean, we'll forgive you if you doze off a little bit, but we're going to pursue God together all throughout that night into the morning. And then in between these Sundays and that Friday night, Saturday morning together, we've created a whole host of resources to help you in your time alone with God in prayer and fasting. So you can go to mclanebible.org slash prayer. I'm actually going to pull it up here on the screen right now. If you go to mclanebible.org slash prayer, this is what you'll see. At the very top, you see this opportunity to to say, I'm committing to 21 days of prayer and fasting. And you can put your information in there and then we'll send you encouraging emails along along the way. And then below that, you'll see information about all night prayer. You'll see that uh, during these 21 days, we're going to have live prayer together on Instagram at 9 p.m., on Facebook Live and YouTube Live at noon every day. So we'll be doing that together. And then below that, you'll see a variety of different resources. This 21 days of prayer checklist I'll actually come back to in a minute, but some things about different approaches to prayer, some guidance on fasting. So we'll hit some things just real briefly today, but if you want to dive in deeper, just a variety of resources on prayer and fasting, a guide for if you have some time and like a spiritual retreat for a day, ways to pray specifically for our church family. See the Bible reading plan we're walking through that I'll talk about more in a minute and the podcast that accompanies that Bible reading plan. It's just a five minute or so a day prayer podcast based on our Bible reading plan and then a global outreach prayer guide, which I'll also mention again in a minute. But let me come back to this 21 days of prayer checklist. If you click on that, this is basically a way to help you think through a plan for these 21 days. So if I'm going on a getaway with my wife or one of my kids, we don't just get into the star, get, get, in, get into the car and start driving nowhere. Like we, we've got a plan. I've thought through what that, what that's going to look like. And so I want to encourage you to think through what the next few weeks might look like, to think through what a daily routine in prayer would look like, what a fasting plan would look like and how you can share whatever your plan is with others. And, and maybe even specifically what you want to focus your praying and fasting on. In fact, what I'm going to do today is after we walk through the Word in a few minutes, I'm going to give us a few minutes right where we're sitting right now to start working on this plan because I know you and I know myself. And if we're not careful, we can talk about this and then just immediately move on to other things in our lives. And next Sunday, we'll be back and thinking, oh man, I really should have thought through that. And so, I want us to hear from God in the next few minutes in his word and then have an opportunity to respond to God and think through what this kind of prayer and fasting plan might look like over the next few weeks. In a way that I'm guessing most of you didn't come in today thinking, okay, how am I going to plan spiritual getaway with God over the next three weeks? But I am so, I'm so jealous, zealous for you to experience deep intimacy with God in a fresh way at the start of this year. And even walking through this already once this morning in our earlier gathering, I just thinking together about the fruit 
If we, if we each do this and all do this together in our lives and our church, that fruit cannot be measured. So what I want to do in our time in the Word then is set the stage for all that, like give you a vision for what these 21 days could look like. And I was praying through where to go in God's Word, like what is God saying to us at the beginning of these three weeks? And my mind immediately went to what God is saying to us every day right now in our Bible readings. So I mentioned that earlier, there's a link to that on that prayer page, but We have a Bible reading plan that we invite you to walk through together as a part of this church family. And so it's an Old Testament reading each day and a New Testament reading each day, just two chapters. And uh, you can jump in anytime. So you don't think, well, it's January 9th. I mean, I'm already behind, so forget that. I won't read the Bible for the rest of the year. Like, what horrible logic. Like, don't do that. Even if it was October 9th, like, jump in today. It doesn't matter. Like, it's not a bad time to read the Bible. So jump in. And right now in the Old Testament, we're in Ezra, and we're about to get into Nehemiah and Esther. And then in the New Testament, for most of these 21 days, we're in the book of Acts. And all four of these books are beautiful pictures of the power and the beauty and the wonder of prayer. And so what we're going to do today is I want to take you on a fast tour through Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther in kind of a preview of what we're going to be reading in the days ahead. And I want to show you nine reasons to pray and fast and to set aside time for this over the next 21 days. So Joe Carter, one of our pastors at Arlington, writes a ton of great articles on nine things to know about a variety of contemporary issues in our culture. So I want to give you nine reasons today to pray and fast intentionally over the next 21 days. I would encourage you to write these down and then think through who you can share what you're going to do with. And, and I just I want to encourage every single one of you, like, Teenagers, why should you set aside the next 21 days to spend intentional time praying and fasting? And not just teenagers, like elementary, middle schoolers, why should you do this in a way that's appropriate in your life? And obviously not just kids, like young adults, they're single, they're Husbands or wives or moms or dads or grandparents, senior adults, why should you set aside these next 21 days in a spiritual getaway for intentional time in prayer and fasting? Now, even as I ask that question, before we dive into the nine reasons, I want to remind us of two acrostics that we use to help us when it comes to praying and fasting. Pray, P-R-A-Y, and fast, F-A-S-T. So just a quick review. When we think about prayer, think about P-R-A-Y. P, praise. So when we pray, we praise God for who he is. We thank God for what he's done. So as we spend time, intentional time in prayer, spend intentional time praising God, then R stands for repent. So when we pray, we we pause and reflect on sin in our lives. What in our minds and our hearts and our words and our desires, our actions. What in us is not pleasing to God? We confess sin before God and we receive forgiveness from God through Jesus. For those of you who are visiting with us today and maybe you're not yet a Christian, you've not yet placed your faith in Jesus, become a follower of Jesus. This is the good news around which the whole Bible revolves. 
And it's the good news that unites us together as a church, the good news that God has created all of us for relationship with him. Which just pause right there. If you let that soak in, it'll knock you out of your seat. My God, the God who created the whole universe, who rules and reigns over everything in the world, like this God has created you right where you're sitting for a relationship with him. Like this morning before I even came here, like I, I was meeting with God. Like I had a meeting with God this morning. God. Like I was talking to God. And he was listening to me. And... And he's speaking to me. I'm poured out things that are heavy on my heart to him. And he's listening to me and communicating to me. Like, and not just me. Like, it's for you. Amen. It's for all of us. We have the privilege of relationship with God. And so to, to step fully into that. Now, the problem is, problem is all of us have turned aside from God. And, and We've pursued other things in this world instead of God. We've turned aside from God and his ways to ourselves and our own ways. That's what the Bible calls sin, and our sin separates us from God. And this communion with God we're designed for. And if we die in this state of separation from God, we'll spend eternity separated from God in God's judgment due our sin. But the good news of the Bible is that God has done the unthinkable to pursue relationship with us. God has come to us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus has lived the life that none of us could live, a life of no sin. And then even though he had no sin for which to die, he chose to die on a cross to pay the price for sin. Then three days later, he rose from the grave in victory over sin so that anyone, anywhere, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, you, by faith in Jesus and his love for you, can be forgiven by God for all your sin and restored to relationship with God for all of eternity, for eternal life in relationship with God. So if you've never put your faith in Jesus like this, we invite you to do that today. We invite you to do that today. And then as you walk in relationship with God, so what we're talking about here when it comes to repenting is we're still prone to disobey God. We're still prone to dishonor God in our lives. And so we come to him regularly in confession of sin, just like a, a child comes to a mom or dad and says, mom or dad, I messed up. I'm sorry for that. Forgive me for that. I don't want to do that again. And that, that just creates closeness of relationship. That's what we're talking about here. We want to walk in close relationship with God, which means honesty before God about our sin, not trying to cover up over our sin like it doesn't exist. And why would we want to cover it up before the God who says, I'll cover it up for you by the blood of my son on the cross, like you're forgiven. So we don't have to be afraid to confess sin. So that's what we do when we repent. We confess our sin before God, receive his forgiveness, and we turn from that sin. That leads to, A, asking God for things in our lives and asking God for things in others' lives. The thought that this God has invited you and me to come to him and say, what, what is on your heart? What do you want? What do you need? And for us to lay those things out before him, to share those things with him, and not just for our own lives, but for others' lives, knowing that God will answer what we ask according to his word, according to his power and his love for us and his wisdom that's so much higher 
than ours is. So we ask before God and, and then why we yield to God. We say in prayer, my life is yours. Lead me, guide me, direct me however you will. I trust you with my life. I trust you with all these things I'm asking for. So that's, that's praying. And then the other acrostic we use to help us remember what what fasting involves, F, focus on God. So the point of fasting is not to look like super spiritual before other people, but to seek God, to feast on God through prayer and through his word, which leads us to A, abstain from food. So we put aside food to the extent that it's physically possible for us to do that. We put aside food for a period of time, whether it's a day or multiple days, We put aside what our bodies are created by God to crave and need, and we say more than we need food for our bodies, God. We we need your word and your presence and your help for our souls. So we substitute that time that we would normally eat with prayer, with the word. So we don't just miss a meal and call it fasting. That happens all the time when we get busy in our lives. It's not like, oh, check that box, fasted today. No, fasting is setting aside food and substituting that time we would spend eating with concentrated time in prayer and God's Word. It's feasting on God in a concentrated way during mealtimes and then continually, really throughout the day when we feel hungry, we pause and say, God, I'm really hungry, but more than I want food, I want you. More than I want food, I'm praying for this or for that. We substitute the time we would normally eat or snack with prayer and meditation on God's word. And in the process, we tea, we taste and see that God is good. Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good, that he is better than anything else in this world, even the most basic daily necessity of food. So with these acrostics for praying and fasting, why do this? Why set aside concentrated time over the next 21 days to pray and fast like more than normal? Well, listen to what God is saying to us in his word right now as we read through Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And it's all reflected in Acts. We just don't have time to dive into Acts today. So one, we pray and fast for God's protection. For God's protection. So Ezra chapter 8, this is our Bible reading yesterday. Ezra and others had rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem, and it was now time for the people to journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. It was going to be a dangerous journey through foreign lands with foreign armies. And Ezra had told the king, King Artaxerxes, who who had given them permission for this journey, that God's hand would be with them as they went. But now they were beginning the journey, and it hit Ezra in a fresh way that there was a lot of danger ahead. So listen to what he did. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. It says, then I proclaimed a what? A fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves. We're going to seek God, pray for a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him. The power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God, prayed to our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. See why Ezra fasted and prayed for God's protection in the journey ahead. That sounds like a good reason for you and me, to pray and fast here at the beginning of this year. Think about it. Not one of us knows what 2022 holds in our lives. 
So much like Ezra did, I'm calling us to pray and fast at the beginning of this year for protection in the journey ahead. For physical protection in a world still mired in pandemic. And even more for spiritual protection. I I don't know what's going to happen in the world or in your life or your family or this church in my life or my family for that matter in 2022. But I do know that there is a devil and demons who want to destroy your life and your family and this church and our witness in the world in the coming year. I know that. So let's pray and fast for God's protection. And second, let's pray and fast for God's provision. That's part of the picture here in Ezra 8. God, please provide everything we need on this journey. Ezra knew they needed God's help to get to Jerusalem and to reestablish their lives there. So think, as you look into 2022, what kind of help do you know you need from God this year? And spend time here at the start of this year expressing to God things you know you need, things that are heavy on your heart. Ask for his provision. And the first thing that comes to my mind personally is the formation of my family, praying that God would make a way for our son to come home after two years now removed from the day we were supposed to bring him home, just praying that this would be the year. Like, so what, what comes to your mind? What are you asking for this year? What help do you know you need from God? Spend concentrated time during the next three weeks just praying specifically for his provision. Set aside time to fast and pray for that. Then third, pray and fast in confession of sin. So this is our Bible reading today in Ezra 9, right after Ezra 8. Ezra realizes how, how God's people had, were already disobeying God's word and listen to what the Bible says in Ezra chapter 9, verse 3. As soon as I heard this, I tore my garment and my cloak and I pulled hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. Then all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of all the faithlessness of the returned exiles, the sinfulness gathered around me while I sat appalled until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting with my garment and my cloak torn. I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God, saying, he's praying, oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. What a scene. Ezra falling on his face and ripping hair out of his head, confessing and mourning over sin. And it's not just him. Ezra 10, 1 picks up the scene saying, while Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel for the people wept bitterly. So it wasn't just Ezra. All the people of God join in. Like I I read these passages over the last couple days and just prayed for this kind of praying and fasting and weeping over sin in my life. 
in our lives together. When was the last time you, individually, alone with God, were praying and fasting and weeping over sin like this? Has it ever happened? Like on your face, just agonizing over sin. When was the last time we all together were in a, in a gathering in the church where we're weeping over sin like this? Like, why are scenes like this so uncommon among us? Are we any less sinners than they were? Or maybe have we just grown so casual with sin and so comfortable with sin and so used to coming into a gathering before God and just kind of walking through it like it's routine and moving on with our lives. That we need to pray and fast in confession of sin. To mourn over sin. We need God to show us how he sees sin. And to pause, spend concentrated time here This is exactly what we read, interestingly, in the book of Nehemiah right after this. We looked at this last September, but Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now in the month of Kislev, in the 20th years, I was in Susa the citadel. Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. So this was after the temple has been rebuilt in Jerusalem. And he asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So listen to what Nehemiah does. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept. This is sounding exactly like Ezra. And I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servants that I pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Watch it. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. This is a corporate picture of confession. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. have not kept the commandments, statutes, rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man. We'll talk more about that in part in a minute, but do you see it here? Like mourning and weeping and fasting and praying for days. The reality is months in confession of sin. God help us. We need to do this. We need to set aside a few weeks for fasting and praying and confession of sin in our lives and and together as a church before God and His holiness and before God and His grace to see how God desires to redeem He desires to pour out his mercy on repentant people. 
Like I, I witnessed this last week in a powerful way. I was preaching at a, it was a, an event called Passion with 60,000 students in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. So just picture 60,000 18 to 25 year olds worshiping, praying, sitting under the word. And there was one particular session where a friend of mine, Jenny Allen, was talking about confession, walking through passages in the Bible on the need for honest confession before God. And then she got to a super awkward moment in the whole stadium where she said, just start, start thinking about what, what's the one thing that comes to your mind that you would not want to confess to anybody else? And she said, we're going we're gonna to confess our sins to one another. And we're going to receive the mercy of God through faith in Jesus. So, so I want everybody to turn to each other, get with one other person, and you just confess that sin, and then the person right beside you, as soon as you say that, you just say Romans 8.1 over them. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and so everybody starts turning to each other, and just picture a scene, like 18 and 25-year-olds, 60,000 of them across the stadium, turning and confessing sin to another, and pronouncing God's grace, God's mercy on each other, praying over each other. So as this is happening, the stadium, just the way the sun is setting at that moment, starts shining through. If you could just picture this scene, like rays of light come shining through all across the stadium, like unmistakable. Rays of sun just shine. It was like a picture of God saying, I am pleased when my people are honest with me. Like, we're missing it. We, we, think, we think we're hiding sin before God. What foolishness. God desires to pour out his mercy on a people who are repentant. God, do this among us. God, bring us to fast and pray in confession of sin and in receiving mercy. And not just in our lives. So keep going. Fourth reason to pray and fast for the spread of salvation in others' lives. Like what Ezra and Nehemiah are praying for is not just their own lives, but for others to receive God's mercy and redemption, this sh sh shining picture of his salvation on them. I would just pause and ask, like, who are you praying for like this right now that they would experience salvation this year? And who in your family, who in your neighborhood, in your workplace, who are the names of the people in your sphere of influence who don't know God's love in Jesus right now? Are they worth setting aside concentrated time here at the beginning of this year to pray and fast for them? And would you set aside food at some point over the coming days and say, God, more than I want breakfast or lunch or dinner, more than I want a sandwich, I want to see them know you. I pray and fast for the spread of salvation. And then to take that even a step deeper, number five, pray and fast for people in urgent need. And this is where I'll bring in Esther. So it's been a while since we talked through this story. It was one of the first sermons I preached as a pastor here about the time when the king had declared that all the Jews should be killed. The king didn't know it, but his wife Esther was a Jew, and Mordecai, Esther's cousin, sent a message to her in the palace saying, all the Jewish people are about to die, and you can do something about it. 
But Esther, Esther doing something about it would mean risking her life to go to the king and ask him to change an edict he'd made. So listen to what Esther does. Esther chapter 4, verse 15. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a what? Hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I'll go to the king, though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What a passage. And notice the first thing as Esther does in the face of urgent need, she says, we, we need to fast. We need to set aside food. We need to seek God in prayer and fasting on behalf of the Jews. And then, then I'll risk my life going to the king. So, church family, we, we live in a world right now where 3.2 billion people have little to no knowledge of Jesus. 3.2 billion people right now on a road that leads to eternal suffering. That's where they will go unless somebody takes some risks to take the gospel to them. So if for no other reason, let's pray and fast for these three weeks that in 2022, multitudes of them would be reached with the gospel. Let's pray and fast for the nations. Our, Our global team has put together a prayer guide for this year. I'll put it up here on the screen right here. You can download this from that same website, mcleanbible.org slash prayer, but a, a prayer guide for the whole year you can start using during these three weeks. And basically what it does is it goes through every week. It gives you either the names of some people who used to sit in seats right next to us, but now we're living in another part of the world where it's hard to share the gospel, sharing the gospel there. And so they've sent us ways we can pray for them. And so... Gather your family together, your church group together, just do this on your own and pray for these individuals or you'll see different countries where there's great need for the gospel. You'll see partners who are doing different things that we work with as a church to make the gospel known in those places. Like you and I can be a part of what God's doing in Malaysia. We can be a part of what God's doing in Joseph and Jennifer's life in the Middle East by praying and fasting. So let's start doing this now. Pray and fast in the face of urgent need. And then along those lines, and I should mention other resources there, uh, stratus.earth, you can walk through with your family, look at prayer videos, praying for people in urgent spiritual and physical need, Joshua Project's Unreached of the Day, download that app, pray every day for unreached people to hear the gospel specifically. And then that leads to number six, pray and fast for success in mission. So this is the beauty of how Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are all praying. So it's not like they're just praying that God would save or redeem or protect his people. And then they're sitting back on the couch and watching Netflix or playing on their phones after that. No, they're praying and they're fasting. And then they're going out and giving their lives for the sake of others saying, use my life as an answer to these prayers. It's what I love about Nehemiah 2. So right after what we picked up with in Nehemiah 1, the story, Nehemiah, after months of praying and fasting, decides to go in to the king at the risk of his life, much like Esther. And Nehemiah chapter 2 says, in the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought before him, I took up the wine, gave it to the king. He was cupbearer to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence, and the king said to me, why is your face sad, saying you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart, and you weren't allowed to be sad in the presence of the king. So that's why he says, I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Kind of butters up the king. 
Why should my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and his gates have been destroyed by fire? So he's starting to take a step. And the king said to me, what are you requesting? This is the moment. I love this. So I pray to the God of heaven. You picture it? I stand before the king. I shake him. He looks up. God, please help me. Please help me. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And fast forward to verse 8. The king granted me what I asked. Why? For the good hand of my God was upon me. Oh, would you pray and fast for this during these 21 days? That God would give you a fresh boldness in following him on mission in this world. That this would be the year for many of you when you step out of casual, comfortable, cultural Christianity. Leave it behind. It's not biblical Christianity. And you start living and speaking like people around you really are going to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. That you're not just playing a game on Sundays. Like this is life or death for everybody in the world, including you. Amen. And that God's put you in people's lives to make this gospel known to them. So no matter how awkward it feels or what risk it may bring to your relationship or your job or your whatever, that their soul for eternity is worth it to you. Would you pray and fast during these 21 days for success in mission? Yes. Like high school seniors, you have one semester left with those friends right around you every day. Would you pray and fast for success in mission during these last days you have in high school? Students, with the friends you have around you in need of the gospel, what if this was the semester their lives changed for all of eternity because you were fasting and praying for them and then giving your life to share the gospel with them? And not just students, for all of us, let's get involved in church groups where we're making disciples, where we're living together on mission, leading people to Jesus. Let's fast and pray for success in mission, knowing that it won't be easy. So that leads to number seven, pray and fast for strength amidst opposition. It's all over Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. All of them faced opposition to what God was leading them to do. From two directions, from inside of God's people and from outside of God's people. I'll show you just one passage from Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 7. When Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward, that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Mark it down. Guaranteed. You live your life on mission. You live to obey and proclaim this word. You will experience opposition from inside and from outside. We have seen this in our church family over the last year, and we should never be surprised by it. The more we press in to reaching the city with the gospel and reaching the nation's 3.2 billion people who've never even heard the gospel, the more people will arise inside and outside this church to oppose this church, to cause confusion in it. So we pray and we fast for strength and protection as we press on amidst opposition to reach more and more people with the grace of our God for the glory of our God. And in all this, number eight, number eight, we pray and fast for faithfulness no matter what comes your way. That's what I love about a prayer we see four times specifically in the book of Nehemiah. Watch this. I'll put this back on the screen in just a second if you're still writing it down. But Nehemiah chapter five, verse 19. 
Nehemiah prays, remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. Then you get to the last chapter, Nehemiah 13, remember me, oh my God, concerning this. Do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his service. Nehemiah 13, 22, remember this also in my favor, oh my God, spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Then one more time, Nehemiah 13, 30 and 31, remember me, oh my God, for good. I love what this prayer represents. This prayer represents a man who is living for an audience of one. No matter what comes his way, and no matter what anybody says about him, accusations or lies against him, he is living to please God alone. He wants to get to the end of the journey and hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you want that at the end of 2022? If God gives you breath at the end of 2022 or whenever your breath is gone before then, don't you want him to look back on your life this year and say, I remember that you were faithful to me no matter what came your way. Which this audience of one is what leads us to this last and most important reason to pray and fast here at the beginning of this year. Number nine, pray and fast to enjoy and exalt God. So I hope we've seen in the last few minutes that there are a lot of things to pray and fast for. But in the end, like, please don't miss this. Listen really closely here. We pray and fast ultimately not because we need something, but because we want someone. We pray and fast ultimately because we want God. Think about my getaways with Heather or individual getaways with my kids. Sure, it's fun going places and doing things together, no question. But what's the ultimate point? To spend time just being together, right? To spend time just enjoying each other. And this is the ultimate reason to pray and fast during these 21 days. To just spend time being with God, enjoying God in a deeper way than you do now. And mark it down, I guarantee you, God is worth it. So here's what I want to invite you to do before we close and start moving on to anything else. I want to give you just a few minutes right where you're sitting. In this room, other locations, online, like, don't move. I want to encourage you to take a few minutes to think about. I would encourage you to write down, if you're able, either on paper or a device. Although, as soon as I say that, like, just be careful, because there's like a million distractions waiting right here. So, if, like, just bypass all those distractions if you're going to use a device. And I want to encourage you to think about, maybe write down your plans for a spiritual getaway over the next three weeks. 
if you want, you can go to mclanebible.org slash prayer and sign up there, commit to the 21 days of prayer and fasting and start thinking through that checklist. But I'm going to put up here just four questions on a screen for you to, to consider. And not just you, me. I'm going to spend time doing the same thing. One, what will be your daily routine for concentrated prayer during these days? So over the next three weeks, what would, what would concentrated, like more than normal time in prayer with God look like for you? And then second, what will be your plan for fasting? Again, there's tons of resources on that website to, to help you dive in deeper, but, but you know, maybe fast a day a week, maybe multiple days in a row, or maybe, well, just as the Lord leads. But what would your plan be for fasting? Third question, who can you share and possibly do the above with? So just start to think through, okay, who, who am I going to share what I'm writing down here with and maybe invite them to go on this journey with me, even if theirs looks a little different? Or maybe some things are the same. And then fourth question, just to start thinking through, what are you going to pray and fast for? So I've obviously given you nine specific things, so there's, there's a good list. But maybe to take that a step deeper into your personal life, like are there specific things or people, requests that you're going to pray and fast for over the coming days? That's a lot to think about in the next few minutes. The whole point is to get started now. So I want to give you just a few minutes between you and God, where you're sitting, and then I'll lead us into what's next here at Tyson's. Other location pastors will lead you into what's next at other locations. But for now, you just go for it. And I'm going to do the same up here, just between you and God, me and God. What is this spiritual getaway going to look like for you? So you're planning that getaway. What is these next three weeks? How, how are you going to well, answer these questions? So you spend time between you and God, then I or other location pastors will take it from there. Gender, sexuality, artificial intelligence, race, justice, genomics, the metaverse. Life seems so complicated these days, fragmented even, and everyone has an opinion. But what does the Bible say about all of these issues, about you, about me? about the seven billion people that fill every street, town, campus, village, apartment, and neighborhood on earth. Join us for Secret Church, a unique one-night event streamed online to more than 50,000 participants around the world. Encouraged by our persecuted brothers and sisters' example, we meet for close to six hours for intense study of God's Word and passionate prayer for the persecuted, taught and led by David Platt. Join us on Friday, April 29th, 2022 at 7 p.m. Participating in the Secret Church live stream is easy. You can stream from your church, home, office, or anywhere you have an internet connection. Visit Radical.net for more information or to register. Well, that's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stacey Martin. For additional articles, podcasts, events, and more, visit Radical.net or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.